The Gospel according to Mark. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We went to synagogue every Friday. It's what we did. Despite being poor fishermen, our daddy always let us end work on Friday early so we could wash up and get there in time to, as he said, honor God. Most weeks it was the same man who talked about the same old stories. They usually had to do with our ancestors not honoring God or their griping during the Exodus. The rabbi tried to connect his teachings to our lives, but I never got the feeling he really knew how to fish. Or what it felt like to come home with an empty net, knowing family was depending on you. Every once in a while, the rabbi would come back from Jerusalem with a new joke. The best ones always started out. A scribe, a Pharisee, and a Sadducee walked into a bar mitzvah. But most of the time, the stories were so familiar that I could mouth the lines along with the rabbi. Those sermons were like a well-worn camel hair sweater. No matter how old it got, it still was itchy. One warm night, I was drifting off, my head nodding, and then startling awake, as you do, and then look around to see if anybody noticed. As my head came up, I saw a group of fishermen walk in. I recognized several of them, but not their leader. He, he was new. I knew he was their leader. I could just tell. He wasn't the first one in or the last. He didn't walk in as though he thought he were the man or needed an entourage. It, it was more like they were all together, but there was something about him that made me know he was the leader. It might have been the way they looked at him, or, or maybe it was just how I was drawn to him. There was something about him that even from afar made me know that he was different. Like he had something to teach us that no one else had, or, or, or something to give us that we'd never been given. His group stood there off to the side for several minutes, long enough for me to try to pay attention again to the rabbi. He was saying something about how we are set apart, and how Moses' law helps us to keep our distinctiveness. I'd heard that one a few times before. 
While the rabbi talked, I kept glancing over to this new guy. Who was he? Why was he here? I wanted to know his story. I wanted to know him. When he finally finished, the rabbi that is, finally finished his sermon, there was this awkward silence that always happens whenever he's supposed to allow for someone else to come up and speak if they felt led by God. No one ever did. I don't know if they ever felt led by God, but no one ever did stand up. It's like they knew they'd better not. Who would dare speak after one of the official rabbis with all his training and credentials had just stopped? On the rare occasions that people were bold enough to speak, you could see the rabbis roll their eyes or whisper to whoever was beside them. Sometimes they seemed angry. I don't know if it's that they thought we'd all be wrongly influenced by these untrained speakers or if what they shared wouldn't be worth our time. But it's clear, they didn't want anyone stepping forward after they'd finished. So when this stranger did, it was like electricity went through the synagogue. It hadn't happened in so long, and now this guy that no one knew, someone who sounded like he might be from Nazareth or somewhere over there, dared to teach. I leaned in to hear what he'd have to say, all the while glancing over to see what the rabbi might do. I could tell he didn't like it. His eyes narrowed, his ears perked, his back stiffened. He was like a dog that spotted its prey and his positioning before the attack. The stranger didn't talk like a typical rabbi. He didn't say things like, as Rabbi Eliezer once said. He just said it. Like it was coming straight from him. Not a summary of what others knew, but what he knew. I could tell he knew what it was like to be a fisherman. And I could look at his hands and see that he knew what it was like to work. His stories confirmed that. He'd been a builder. He'd worked with the earth. He shared insights that he had while doing those ordinary jobs. He made analogies out of them. He took something as common as little sparrows, things we see all the time, and helped them to understand something about God and us. The next time a sparrow flies by, I'll remember that not one of them is forgotten by God. And as he said, that means I'm not too. God remembers me. He started saying that the kingdom of God has come near and that it's time for us to see the world as God sees it and to see others as God sees them. He even said that we are set apart for a special purpose. And that special purpose is to be a blessing to others, even to Gentiles. I could tell this was not sitting well with the rabbi. But before he had a chance to interrupt, Tuma walked in. I've always felt sorry for Tuma. He struggles so. I admire the way the congregation has been patient with him when he has these episodes. Still, I wished he hadn't come that night. Not with this amazing man teaching with authority like we'd never heard. I didn't want anything to interrupt what was happening. And I sure didn't want this incredible teacher to be bothered by Tuma. I hoped the Tuma would sit quietly and not have an episode. And I wasn't the only one hoping that. 
People's eyes were darting between this new speaker and the rabbi and Tuma and back and forth. No one slept during that service after the new speaker walked in and, and Tuma behind him. Even Bernard, who always has to tell us at the refreshments after the supper service that he thinks better when his eyes are closed. Even he kept his eyes open that night. I thought the new teacher picked up on our concern about Tuma because he kept staring at him. His eyes never left him once he walked in. I didn't want Tuma humiliated and was beginning to lose some respect for the stranger. I mean, who is he really to single out a person with a problem? A problem that Tuma couldn't even help. Why wouldn't he ignore him like the rest of us did? And that's when the most amazing thing happened. The voice came out of Tuma. The voice that we hear whenever he has one of his episodes came out again, only this time it was clearer. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? The voice asked. I wanted to yell, speak for yourself. I like the new guy. Don't drag me into this. But he went on and it was obvious that the us wasn't about us from Capernaum. The voice sensed another conflict, a larger one. Have you come to destroy us? The voice asked as if he already knew the answer. Then he said to this man, he called Jesus, I know who you are. The Holy One of God. I wished later that I had looked over to see the rabbi's expression when this man from Nazareth was being called the Holy One of God. But I kept my eyes on Jesus, who didn't seem surprised at all. And he didn't back down. He said to the voice, it wasn't to Tuma, it was to that voice inside him. Jesus said, be silent and come out of him. And it did. I didn't see anything, but I heard it, this terrible sound. And then I saw Tuma's expression, how it changed. This thing that had been haunting him was gone. He had a peace like he had not had in years. Maybe ever. The whole place erupted. People everywhere were saying basically the same things. This Jesus doesn't just teach with a new kind of authority. He has authority over unclean spirits. He commands and they obey. And they're afraid of him. He doesn't just talk about dealing with things that aren't of God. He is dealing with things that aren't of God. What happened that night was what everybody talked about for the next several weeks. People from the region were making trips to little old poor Capernaum to, to see the sight, hear the story. We were the toast of Galilee. I felt famous. I also felt hopeful. In a way that I had not felt before. I felt that God was near. God knew our situation. That God was battling for us. I had the sense that whatever had happened to Tuma wasn't just for Tuma, that this meant something more. I couldn't help but think that that unclean spirit talking in plural, asking if Jesus had come to destroy them, 
wasn't unveiling a bigger truth. It was like he was a representative of all the unclean spirits, speaking on behalf of all of evil, recognizing the Holy One of God was coming for them. I really think he knew. And in the weeks later, I became sure that while there will still be battles between God and evil, the final outcome has already been decided. Evil would be destroyed. God's kingdom would win. After that, I kept fishing. But I fished differently. And I kept going to worship, but I began to worship with hope and joy. I prayed about things that were wrong and about people who were hurting and asked God and God's helpers to help them immediately. But I also had this peace that a day would come that like the scroll says, I think it's Isaiah, that God will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples and that God will swallow up death forever, that God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of all people He will take away from all the earth like He did for Tuma. God will do that for all His people. You know, Jesus sure taught and acted with a new kind of authority. The kind you have when you know you're going to win.